<laughs> oh, here we go. Recording. Yep. <laughs> I can go however long you want. At How first, I? I was just going to catch a little bit of a <laughs> you just yeah. being you there. Um, yeah, that should be good. All right. Let me silence all this stuff. <clears throat> and go for however long you want. Okay, cool. Because I'm, I'm free for the rest of the night. I just want, just want you to talk. <laughs> okay, preach. Preach. Okay. So I think I'm going to go ahead and just throw in an introduction here. So that'll save me. Yep. I'm having to do it later. Um, so I'll go ahead and throw it in. Hey guys. So welcome to another episode. And today I have Jaron Jackson with me. Uh, I met Jaron at the Black Leadership Summit last year hosted by Candace Owens and Charlie Kirk. And he was honestly one of the best speakers that I saw up there. So I'm going to give him a chance to introduce himself. Go ahead, Jaron. Hey, good evening. Uh, I or morning, whenever you watch it, I am first and foremost a redeemed sinner. Uh, I love Jesus Christ. He is Lord and Savior. I Amen. am a dad, a husband, 10 years, a combat veteran, graduated West Point in 2008, former infantry officer, uh, two Bronze Stars, combat infantryman's badge. Uh, I own a couple of restaurants and I'm about to start another company. I uh, live here in Eastern Oklahoma um, and I thank uh, the world of Bari. I think she's cool. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks. You're the jack of all trades. So <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yeah, for, of course, um, we, we definitely, I'm sure those watching to appreciate your service in our country, to our country. So yeah. it's worth the fight, yeah. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially these times. Especially, Especially in these times. Yes, I agree. I agree. So um, when I was listening to Jaron, there's something that really struck me. Um, and I'll let him, you know, I'll let him tell that story. But he actually started the story or his speech on a story that he, something he experienced back in Afghanistan. Um, and his message there is what really stuck to me. And I think what needs to be so prevalent in today and what's going on, because um, we all have a tendency to kind of roll with the punches, you know, take in whatever we get, and we don't tend to question what we see or what we hear. But um, that's definitely something that's important for us to have an independent individual mindset. So I'm going to let him tell that story, and uh, we'll go from there. Put me on the spot. I have Absolutely. a lot of stories, by the way. So. I know. I bet you but do. <laughs> as, you, as you said that, I was like, what was the story? Was uh, the story is pretty simple. <laughs> Uh, my first deployment, I was a 24-year-old lieutenant, and uh, we were on the border in Afghanistan, and um, we were raiding a house. Uh, long story short, uh, we came up to some bad guys, and as we were pulling security, as we were trying to you know, create a secure perimeter, uh, I was taking a seat uh, up against the wall looking at my graphics. I was the guy in charge, and so I'm trying to figure out what's going on, what's next, how are we going to evacuate these uh, prisoners and all that kind of stuff. And a, um, a young kid came up to me, 14, 15 year old Afghan kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, he spoke English, which was interesting because most people spoke Pashto. So the fact that he spent, I mean, he did too, but the fact that he spoke English told me that his parents had access to education, which was rare, mm -hmm. uh, especially to speak English. Right. And so he asked me a couple questions. And one of the first questions he asked me was, do I urinate on the Quran? And I was like, that's a dumb question. <laughs> that's a stupid question. Why would I, I mean, I'm not a Muslim, don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. But why would I do that? 
Right. Uh, and before I could, I mean, I'm just kind of smirking. He asked me, do you photograph women? I was like, what is this kid doing? Why are these, why is he asking me these questions? And then I realized uh, that's, that's what he had been told his entire life. He had grown up in a culture where they taught him that Americans, Westerners, uh, were all Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, they taught them that we all photograph women, which is against, uh, you know, teachings in the Quran. Right. Uh, and that we burn the Quran, which any disrespect to the Quran is, you know, that's seen as an offense. That's shirk. That's, uh, that's, uh, haram, which is a sin in, uh, in, in, in Islam. Oh, in Arabic. oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Haram is what they'll call, you know, sin, like okay. whatever. But, uh, anyway, they, um, you know, I realized that he's just preaching propaganda at me. He's, he's asking me questions mm-hmm. to, uh, validate his core beliefs. And in this sense, the manifestation of his core beliefs was, do I urinate on the Quran and do I photograph women? And because that's what he believed of me. And so I realized that this kid, you know, that there's no reasoning with that person because he's a slave in his own head. He's a prisoner in his own mind. Mm. And there was no amount of reasoning with him that I could. You're back. Yeah. No. Check, I, check. Jaren is cool. Yeah, check. the connection. Kind of lost you there. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know if that's me or you, but uh, so yeah. the, the, the idea of the story, the idea of the story mm-hmm. is that People grow up with, uh, I mean, everyone's got a bias. Everyone has a bias. And uh, to kind of segue into that talk, Bari, that you heard me give, I was the only white, non-Charlie Kirk speaker at the Black Mm -hmm. Leadership Summit. I mean, it's called (laughs) called the Black Leadership Summit. Right. And I am, uh, for your blind listeners, I am not black. My skin is not black. If it is, it's a really pale. It's a really, it's a really pale black. You need a tan. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and so um, yeah, I, I, I thought to myself, I'm going to be speaking to an audience full of people who have one thing that they don't share in common with me. Mm-hmm. And the entire thing is called the one thing that they don't have in common with me, which is right. their skin color. Yeah. Uh, and so I said, well, I'm going to talk about something that is universal. I'm going to talk about something that is ubiquitous, mm-hmm. um, that is deeper and more powerful than skin color. And so, uh, you know, I, I spoke about freedom and it's the idea, the, the message of my talk was we are free. Right. Um, and if you think about it from a, I'm a Christian, if you think about it from the biblical perspective, God makes everybody in his image. You go all the way back to Genesis one for that. And because we're made in God's image, he gave us certain things. And if you look at Genesis, I think it's one twenty six where it says you gives us authority over the beast of the land, the fish Mm -hmm. of the sea, the birds in the air and all the creeping things on the ground. Those are all the things that we have dominion over. Well, what's not in that verse is other people. Right. It's wrong. Not because it's skin color. Slavery is wrong because it's one image bearer of God controlling and treating another image bearer of God as property, mm-hmm. as cattle. Right. Um, that's why it's wrong. Because if you really want to look at historic slavery, um, Islam, first of all, uh, Islam, predominantly Arabs, they were the ones that started the African slave trade. Uh, I mean, uh, Muhammad had a slave he called Ship, S-H-I-P, Ship. Because he would burden this guy down and he would carry all of Muhammad's crap. So he would laugh at, you know, this, this black yeah. slave. Um, I mean, 
slavery's rife with, with Islam, but there's other forms of slavery mm-hmm. um, with all sorts of different skin colors. Right. And so wrong based on skin color. It's wrong based on people being an image bearer of God. And if I can say one last thing, when people speak about slavery, if they speak about it while appealing to the distinction of skin color, mm-hmm. they actually diminish the, the injustice of slavery. Hmm. They actually uh, take away from the power of why it's so wrong. Because if, if they're just basing it on skin color, is what you're right. Saying. And yeah. exactly because what, what I mean at, at that point, um, you're, 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 the way that I see things is God's really creative. I mean, look at everything, right? Yeah. If God create, if God did everything and then He created man last then we are the crown jewel of his creation, specifically man. And then what did he create after man? Women. Right. And, uh, you know, Genesis 1, it says he mm-hmm. formed Eve, which means he took his time. Mm-hmm. So that's why women are beautiful, by the way, because that's <laughs> like, they are the, they this are the <laughs> final, they are the, fi- they are God's final contribution to all of creation. Right. That is why women are objectively gorgeous. So there you go. <laughs> Um, but I'm married, so I'm not, you know, (laughs) we know that, but, but if you, but if you think about that, God made everybody and he gave us personalities. He gave us our fingers. He gave Mm us, uh, you know, our, our creativity. And so if you're going to hate someone based on a single characteristic that God gave them one, you're first and foremost sinning against God because you hate something he created. Right. Two, you're sinning against God because you're basically taking something he created and you're reducing it arbitrarily down to the skin color. That's to say, Bari, I don't really care about your intelligence. Mm-hmm. I don't care about right. your experience. You're black. So, yeah. you know, you know in, introduce, here's all the stereotypes for black people. Or, mm-hmm. Jaron, you're white. Here's all the stereotypes for white guys. Um, and, and what we do on a core fundamental level is we pervert people, image bearers of God, and we reduce them to a single characteristic. And so mm-hmm. I, I, just see, uh, I just see a bunch of disrespect and rejection of God whenever people start talking about those types of things. And it's pervasive. Uh, we all do it. Um, yeah. And that's just, that just shows you how influential these, these sinful ideas are. Um, so I'll shut up there. I talked a lot. No, no, you're good. That's, I mean, <laughs> I appreciate your input and I appreciate what you have to say. Um, and I could, I could go on, I could listen and talk for a while too, you know, that we we could talk for hours, but, um, so I think that's where we are today as far as when we're putting this one characteristic on, on people, it's like, like you were saying, the, the freedom that we have, um, comes from God. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. stated even in our, um, constitution, even in what forms this country that the rights that we're given is from God. So it cannot be taken away by man. And when we, when we, I think, go further away from God and further away from faith as a country as a whole, that's when we start having a lot more issues. When we take away, even if you're not a believer, um, there are so many values. There are things that are very much biblically based. Um, And when we go further away from those things or when we end up in situations like we are in right now. Um, where everything is based on the color of our skin uh, and there's no, there's either you, you say this and you think like this 
or you're absolutely wrong. You're completely condemned and, and canceled. There's no, there's no middle ground and there's no conversation that can actually, any productive conversation that can happen because we've, we've taken, you know, these values and this out of the way that we do things in our country. So. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I want to, one of my favorite scriptures is John 10, 10. Uh, John chapter 10, verse 10, it reads, the thief does not come except to kill, uh, excuse me, except to steal uh, and to kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Um, Satan destroys or chaos, if you will. Uh, Christ came to redeem. Uh, If you think about it in the garden, God said it is good. At the end of creation, God said it is good. That means everything that he did is good. Um, and I'll get to people who may not be believers here in a second. So that's mm-hmm. just a quick teaser. Okay. So whenever I use the word conservative, I actually mean people who are trying to restore God's order, Okay. right? God's order. There is no sexism. Uh, there's different roles, but to think that it's wrong for a woman to be uh, a mom, uh, there's no more influential job in all of existence right. than to be yeah. a mother. Raising and molding a human being, another Amen. person. Amen. <laughs> you, first of all, it, 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 a human forms inside of you. Right. There is one half of the population that that's impossible. Mm. Regardless of how they identify, they right. can't do it. Yeah. So creation only happens inside of a woman. And then secondly, you got to think, every man has had a mom, Right. Uh, I mean, except for Adam, but if you look, if you look at Genesis three fifteen, whenever God actually says, you know, I'm going to put enmity between the serpent and the, and the woman and between, uh, you know, her seed and you, um, what he's talking about there is he's, he's actually saying the importance of the woman is that that's where Christ is going to come from. Mm-hmm. And that's actually the first prophecy is Jesus is going to come and he's going to smash you in the face, which is what he did on the cross. Yeah. But, but the role of women um, they're the ones in charge of the home. They're, they're the ones that raise men. And so if you see the lawlessness, if you see rape culture, if you see the objectification of women, the rampant use of pornography, if you see all of these things, you see men that have no boundaries. Mm-hmm. You see people who, who have no moral safeguards. Well, where are they supposed to get that? They don't get that right. from the police. Right. They don't get that from school. They don't get that from politics. They get that from their mama. They get that from their mom. And then, you, you know, you got to think uh, the, the union of a man and a woman is supposed to, uh, you know, Paul writes in, I think it's Galatians, where he shows that's the template for how God loves himself. You know, uh, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, he's in perfect union. Marriage is supposed to be the one relationship that you have that best emulates or tries to approximate, um, you know, that relationship. And for those people who aren't believers, because I said I'd get there, American jurisprudence, our legal system here in America, it's based on British common law. We got a lot of our laws and a lot of our customs from them. Right. Well, British common law, Sir William Blackstone back in the 1600s, he got it from the book of Deuteronomy, Mm. like almost word for word or, or concept for concept. Right. And so the idea is that Western civilization is not, you know, it's not good because the people are a certain skin color or from a different continent or, or did X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Western civilization is so powerful because it is so thoroughly influenced on mm-hmm. biblical understanding. Exactly. And, 
Bari, to your point, the further we get away from God, let's repackage that for the secular people out there. Mm-hmm. The further you get away from time-tested order, tradition, right. culture, exactly. the further you get away from that and the more you get into chaos, uh, progressivism, uh, what you're really doing is you're creating uncertainty as the foundation for your society. And I mean, look at Seattle. They've got six square blocks, uh, you know, guarded by Chaz, the Capitol Hill uh, autonomous zone is what they're calling it. all these hippies and, and baristas and stuff. Huh. They've got this place locked off and they're not grounding it on anything. They call it a commune. Well, when have communes ever worked? When is, when has communism ever worked? They're already out of food. They've been in charge of their own autonomous zone for 48 hours huh. and they're already out of food. They're running out there's of water. No, there's, there's no, no structure. There's no, there's nothing to it. Yeah. And, and it's, and I think the idea is it comes down to the idea of who is God, because if he exists, then there's an order. If he mm-hmm. doesn't exist, well, then it's just whoever has the gun, yeah. whoever can force the other person, uh, you know, to, to do what they do. Yeah. And, and that's what saddens me because there's no mechanism for grace or love or mm-hmm. compassion or forgiveness in these hateful progressive movements because to their core they've rejected god they don't consider god in their formulations right so there's no mechanism for grace and so even if you get white people getting on their knees and going how can i do things please tell me how can i atone Mm -hmm. and washing feet and doing all these things right there's no mechanism for grace in a hateful worldview and that's where you know, uh, I don't know where you want to go with this, but that's the role of the gospel. That's, that's why you got to preach the word. That's why you got to tell people about Jesus because only Christ can make sense of, of the worst problems. Politics isn't going to solve true. this. Yeah, no, politics isn't. And that's actually, that's actually a good segue into what I want to talk about because I really want to, I really want to focus on the idea of being free and the fact that we are we are free, not just in a sense of what you were talking about as far as being, you know, physically free and not slaves to one another because we're all image bearers of God, but as far as being free mentally to think mm-hmm. how we want to think, to right. question what we want to question, because that's that's the whole purpose of of even the country that we live in. I don't we're not all intended to think the same way because we look the same way, act the same way because we, you know, because we look the same way, whatever that may be. We are all we all have minds of our own and we're all meant to be free in that sense as well. You know, ideologically, we don't have a lot of diverse diversification. Um, I don't, I, I believe maybe we do. It's not something that we see a whole lot. Sometimes the minority is a little bit louder than maybe most people are. And so they tend to, you know, take over that space. But um, as far as being free um, mentally, that's what I want to, that's what really what I want to focus on too, um, is the idea of being ideologically a, an individual thinker. Um, I think I've, I've seen so many, so many people, and of course you, you know, with what's going on right now with the death of George Floyd and everything that's coming, you know, the aftermath of that, I think most people can agree that, you know, George Floyd, his death was not, is, is nothing to even try to, um, to try to make up for, I mean, his death was clearly 
clearly a sin. His death was clearly something that needed, you know, justification. Like he needed to be, um, not justification, but he needed justice. You know, Mm -hmm. his death is something that, you know, and he has gotten it. The officers have been arrested. Um, I forgot the name of the main officer. uh, Jovan? Chauvin? Chauvin, yeah, that's that's it. So he's he's been arrested, he's been charged, and hopefully we'll see a fair trial here to where he is put away for, for what he's done. But I do believe that this has been an opportunity for a lot of people who try to raise bait. And I know people don't like to hear that, but it's it's been an opportunity for people to say, see, look, Racism is so rampant in our country. Racism is so rampant in our police system, in our justice system, and that is just not the case. That's not the case. I mean, and like we were talking about when it comes to sin, and I think this is where there's a chasm between people who do, who are believers, and this is not always the case because you can say you are and still kind of go a different direction, but people who do believe in Christ, people who do actually um believe in grace, believe in, in things like that God speaks about, and also have that mental and emotional connection to the fact that we are all sinners. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, even if you honestly, and I've met people who are not believers, but who do kind of have an understanding of, we are not all good people. We're essentially, you know, born sinners. And yeah. we are going to naturally do the selfish thing, the human thing. And we're not all good. So when we have this kind of a situation where something like this does happen, then the entire police force is evil. Then the entire police force is racist. It's rampant. Rather than maybe separating that and realizing, hey, this one guy, this one guy had a sin issue. He had a heart issue. Whatever that, that whatever that was, it led to him treating someone, another image bearer of God in a way that took his life. So I think, you know, like you were saying before, um, and that I mentioned being so much further away from from God and being so much and moving further away from those values, like you said, like the values that we've known and that we've kept for some time is what leads to people not understanding the idea. It's almost like it doesn't it doesn't compute um, if if someone did something, there must be something completely wrong with our entire society and right. we have to fix it. And instead of yeah. realizing that this is a problem. We can't fix that. We can't fix people who, who have hate in their heart or who, who don't see people as more than the color of their skin or whatever the situation may be. You can't fix that. Right. And I think that's where we're, we're at. And I just, I honestly, I'm not quite sure where this, I'm not sure where this is going to go as far yeah. as uh, what we're fighting for now. But I do wonder um, if people that are also out there um, protesting and preaching would have anything other to anything else to say um, based on the fact that they've thought about these things because I yeah. do think that we tend to we tend to follow the crowd yeah. uh, and I do want to say that there are probably more people out there who have some different things to say where there can be some constructive dialogue that can actually come from this kind of a situation but I don't think a lot of people will actually do that. Yeah. Um, well, let me, let me, uh, let me try to model. Okay. Let me see if I can okay. be a role model. Um, so, uh, there was a lot there and I, I, I love what you said. Um, first and foremost, George Floyd was murdered. Mm-hmm. He was murdered. Yeah. His life was taken from him. Yeah. Uh, he was deprived his life without due process. 
uh, as someone who has taken people's lives in combat legally, mm-hmm. um, um, it changes you. And whenever you use lethal force, uh, you know, you, you, there, there's, a, there's a thought process that goes through your head uh, because you've been trained in the use of that force. Putting your knee on a guy's neck is not the thing to do, especially yeah. whenever there's other cops on the guy, especially whenever the guy's on his stomach crying out for his mom and his hands are cuffed. He's cu- yeah. That, that's, that's a murder. That's an execution. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a public execution. And here is where, whenever that happened, I mean, it almost makes me cry. Like, to see. I mean, it was a, a hard video. It was hard to watch. It was hard it, to it, watch. It, and, and, and you yeah. got to think, why is it hard to watch? It's not hard to watch. See, this is, this is where I want to uh, thread a needle. It's yeah. not hard to watch because it's a white cop and a black man. Right. It's hard right. to watch because both of those people are made in God's image. Both of those people have the right to life. Both of those people have the expectation and the presumption of liberty. If you're going to defraud and create counterfeit $20 bills, okay, go to prison, whatever the, whatever the punishment is, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But be able to stand trial. Don't kill him in the street because you used mm-hmm. to work again with him and you've got beef or whatnot. The man was murdered. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where it starts out is you have to have clear moral language. The, the, the moral issue here is that a man was murdered. That's the issue. Uh, I said it that day. I I tweeted it. I wrote about it. I was on the radio the very next morning when I said he needs justice. Ecclesiastes 8.11 says that justice must be swift lest the people riot and revolt. Um, The reason why you have swift justice is exactly what you see going on in America right now. Um, And whereas I think that there are globalists and leftists who have hijacked it, let me go one step further because I said I wanted to model what this looks like. I completely disagree with everything Black Lives Matter stands for mm-hmm. uh, because I've actually read their website. I know who's yeah. behind them. But let yeah. me right now say that they are right on elements of justice insofar as there has been injustice towards the black community. Let me be specific. Black people in urban areas, let's be specific, right? Mm-hmm. They've yeah. been under one party control. And this one party has specific policy outlines that create circumstances that do shape real life. If you increase taxes, businesses are going to leave. If you don't have a grocery store, then you're going to have people who are starving. If you don't have school choice, then all of your kids are going to be taught that they're descendants from monkeys. Then then they're not going to make moral decisions because they're not going to have self-esteem because they don't see themselves as image bearers of God. They see themselves as cosmic conclusions. Mm -hmm. where all the thinking in their head is nothing but deterministic chemical reactions. Well, if that's the case, what does it matter shooting a crip or a blood or a a Latin king or a, you know, whatever a white gang is, some mafioso guy, some Italian mobster? (laughs) It doesn't matter killing somebody because that's just an animal. That that, that is just someone who's the product of, uh, you know, genetic replication. And if that's the purpose of sex, well, then you're going to have sex with whoever you want to have sex with because the purpose of sex is nothing but pleasure and procreation. Mm -hmm. And you see how whenever you substitute biblical teaching or God's order and you supplant it with something else, you get conclusions that are climactic. So back to the black community. 
You can see I'm not a member of the black community, but I know that they have injustice. Why? Because Democrats like to grow government. They like authoritarianism because they come uh, with Marxist implications. They're mm -hmm. the party of the KKK. They're the party of slavery. They're the party of, uh, you know, high regulation, high taxation, government control. You have people in Harvard saying that it's bad for parents to have authoritarian control over their children. Parents have authoritarian control over their children because God gave them that authority. Absolutely. It's my kid. Yep. It's not your kid. It's not like Hillary Clinton. It's not like her book said it, it takes a village. No, it doesn't. Uh, it, it takes a mom and a dad. That's yeah. what the title should that's, be. That's, that's um, what it takes. Yeah. And, and, and I, I guess here's my point. The injustice that the black community has, is living through is police have been turned into strong arming agents to collect fees and misdemeanors for stupid crimes. Eric right. Garner, the first guy that said, I can't breathe for selling cigarettes. He's in New York City where they send cops around to prosecute and pursue those types of crimes. Why are we sending cops to go collect money from people selling cigarettes outside of the package? You don't get that in places like Oklahoma where it's conservative and Bible-fearing and not New York City. You get that in places where there's high authoritarianism, yeah. which gets back to the foundation and that is whenever you fear God, you don't have many regulations because you understand that's an image bearer. That's an image bearer. I don't want to shoot that guy. I don't want to rob from that person because I have respect for my fellow man. Mm -hmm. I have domestic tranquility because my presuppositions uh, are, are founded in love and grace and truth and compassion. When you get rid of God, you have one that's cold and calculated and academic and, well, statistically, we should be doing this. No. What you do is you, you've converted life into a Petri dish. And if you're nothing more than a Petri dish, then you're mm -hmm. a statistic on a page. And that's where I think conservatives go wrong yeah. is because conservatives are so quick to say, well, there was only nine black people shot by white cops in the year of 2019. So are they really rioting over all these black people? No, they're not rioting over the statistics. Mm -hmm. They're rioting because they see themselves voting in for a system, believing things that they've been told. And they've been, th those, those lies, those promises have been broken. Right. So you, you, have, you have whole communities of people who have been having, they've just been on the receiving side of generational deceit. Hmm. And because they've been on the receiving side of generational deceit, generational poverty, gentrification, overtaxation, they, they don't have grocery stores, they don't have school choice, yeah. they don't have economic opportunity. Right. And so what's a hustler supposed to do? Right. The entrepreneurs in the black community are trying to figure out how to hustle meth or, or, or whatever on a street corner, how to, how to click up and gang up and, and figure out how to survive because right. the law of the jungle is applying in this authoritarian control because mm -hmm. people aren't seen as people, right. people are being seen as subjects. And so where I have been wrong, because as soon as black lives matter comes out, I look at their website and I see how they call themselves a collective of liberators. And I say, well, that's Marxist. That's revolutionary. That's godless. Yeah. And it is, which is why I think Black Lives Matter is bad. But then I think, you know, Jesus tells me to love my enemy. The reason why I pray for my enemies, because you can't hate who you pray for. You can't. If you yeah. think about you're going to yeah. you're going to take this person's name to the foot of, of the cross. You're going to approach almighty God and you're going to say, I hate this guy. 
you're going to sober up real fast and realize that you're, like you said, Bari, you're just as bad as that person is. Mm -hmm. And so you can't hate who you pray for. So why does Jesus command us to pray for our enemies? Because he wants to love others as ourself. And whenever you pray for people, you can't hate them. Yeah. So I'm, I'm doing this soul search and I'm thinking about this going, I don't know everything. Right. I, I, you know, I, I've done this I, I'm not in their position. I don't grow yeah. up in Detroit. I'm not in Los Angeles. I'm not New York city. Right. Could they be right about something? Mm-hmm. And I think they are. I yeah. think they're right because the injustice that they're, that they're feeling, the injustice that they're enduring mm-hmm. is because they've, they've, had promises made to them and they've been deceived. Right. The The difficulty though is because Republicans and, and conservatives, you know, I'll lump us all in. Right. Right. We are afraid to be light bearers to the dark. And I'm not saying that skin color. I'm saying we are afraid to take the gospel into the den of the devil where people believe that they come from cosmic accidents, that the purpose of marriage is just to get, you know, uh, food stamps or, or, you know, anything else. Mm. We don't take the gospel there because we don't take the gospel there. There's no truth. And when there is no truth, all, all you have is chaos. And so, I mean, kind of what you've said, there's been this departure from God. Absolutely. The statistics bear out that cops really don't shoot black people as much as everyone seems to believe they do. But on the issue of justice, that's where they're, that's where they, I actually think they have something to stand on, mm-hmm. but they've, they've misdiagnosed the source of the injustice. Yeah, that's where instead I think of, that's where I'm at too. Is in, the- yeah. In, instead of being last thought, mm-hmm. instead of being oppressors versus oppressed, what they've done is they've bought into an ideology that automatically labels white people, males, mm-hmm. Christians, Republicans, yeah. uh, people that look differently than us. They've labeled us, and I, I mean, I'm in that category. I'm white, Christian, uh, male, conservative, married. Yeah. Uh, like I'm everything that the black community hates. I'm everything. Well, no, it's not even necessarily the black community. It's it's more so what's been pushed because you yep. will actually find more so. And that's I was actually gonna. Um, when you were speaking on bringing the gospel in, I completely agree with you. But then I'm asking the question, where are we bringing the gospel into? Because you think about it, and and this is this seems to be from what I've noticed and I've experienced, um, this seems to be the kind of err on the side of truth, where a lot of Black Americans are believers or grew up in a Christian home or understand and have known the Christian values. So there's this disconnect with what you're saying is what the promises that have been given to them and that have been broken. And of course we know where those promises are coming from um, right. and who they're, who's breaking those promises. But it's, there's like this disconnect, I guess, in someone who like myself, I'm a conservative and I've, I've gone through the, the stages of things, I guess. I mean, I would say that I've mostly thought myself as a conservative, you know, I've thought about the idea of, um, of, um, all the, all the progressive type movements um, of the things, you know, of everything that was kind of coming up and um, feminism and all that. I've, I've gone through that thought process and everything. And, and I think because of my background in Christ, even though for quite some time, I really wasn't much of a believer. I more so mm-hmm. considered myself agnostic atheist. Um, but I think because of that, that like foundation that I had, it was, 
okay, well, I thought about it and I came back to that. So it does, it is puzzling to me because I do believe that, yes, there is justice here. I'm, I'm with you. I think we're pretty much on the same page when I don't think, and I've thrown the stats out there too. I've thrown out the stats of, you know, well, if you look at this, um, you know, this, this is not necessarily the case. And of course, right. for me, the stats don't always come first because I like to have a conversation. I like to try to at least get into a conversation and understand where the other person is coming from. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of throw in the stats a little bit because we do kind of have to talk about that and maybe meet somewhere in the middle where we realize, okay, if this is not the case and this is your experience, if these are the facts and these are your experiences, then how can we meet in the middle to realize what's actually going on here? Which Mm -hmm. is where, you know, I like to make that connection. But um, for me, I find it, I guess I do find it odd. And that's where I'm just, where is the mentality? Where is the thinking where if someone like me, and I understand I have a very different perspective because of my background too. I was born, I was born and raised in Nigeria and, I, and then I came here. So it's, it's a little bit different. I know I have a different perspective there as well. But even here with, with Black Americans and having that foundation, um, a lot of times in Christ and in the Word of God, where, what happens? You know, with, with the thought process of how do you not I guess I have a hard time understanding how you get in that mentality and how you get stuck there because you have, you may not have seen, you may not have always, you may not have seen um, things represented to you as far as people reaching new heights, as far as like business, you know, in business or in education or things like that. Maybe that was not your surrounding, um, but then you have a foundation that tells you you are so much more than right. the color of your skin. So I, I guess that's where, that's where I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little, I'm not quite getting that yeah. whole. Well, the, the, um, so for Christians, and this is weird, uh, I'll preach this all, all day, all night. Um, we begin our thinking with the Bible and there's a lot of people who don't like that. They think it's a, um, even Christians don't care for it. I well, mean, I, yeah. I I've, I've spoken to Christians who will not agree Right. So here's my, here's my thinking. Here's my thinking. I'm not trying to get people to believe the Bible because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of crazy stuff that's in the Bible. I mean, it teaches that a donkey talked. Okay. It, it, I mean, it teaches that like, (laughs) right. Like the Bible, the Bible includes a lot of crazy stuff. Right. Um, a lot of stuff that is hard to believe. And so I'm not trying to get people to believe this book. I believe this book and I can, tell you why, but I'm not trying to get people to believe this book. And I think that's the issue, right? The way that Christ engaged people, because there's people who will doubt that Christ exists. There, there are people who will believe in Christ consciousness, that Christ was just a, a reincarnated guy and he had reached, you know, the, the highest oh, level right, of enlightenment, Oh, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a Christian apologist. He's actually from Atlanta. He died a couple weeks back named Robbie Zacharias. Yeah. Yeah. And Robbie Zacharias had this one thing that just hit me that I'll never forget. He says, questions don't need answers. People do. Mm. Most people today aren't going to be asking questions. They're going to be making statements, knowledge claims, you know, white supremacy, white privilege, uh, systematic racism, uh, or on the conservative side. Well, statistically, the stats don't bear out the blah, 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 you know, whatever. People are going to say, people are going to say things that they think are true. Um, 
but really those knowledge claims, those truth claims reflect their observations about the world. And so if you think about it, whenever someone says you just have white privilege, the question they're really asking, that, that might not sound like they're asking a question, mm -hmm. but the question they're really asking is, why do I see injustice? Why is there injustice? Mm -hmm. That's the question. Right. Because the answer that they have is, well, white people took it from black people. White people are oppressing people. So whenever someone tells me or anybody else, you have white privilege and there's systematic racism and America's evil and all this kind of stuff, what they're really asking for is, how can God let bad things happen? That's really the question. Hmm. That's, that's the question. Right. Like that is the question. Why is there bad things? Why is there injustice? Why is there any of that? And I think it's wrong. Well, so first of all, to recognize that requires really, I mean, you got to listen to that person because you know, as a white guy, when someone says I have white privilege, that's so offensive. Yeah, I'm going to, you're almost like, like I'm, you're done. Like yeah. I'm not listening to you anymore. Uh, I've, I've walled it off. Right. And, and Bari, I've only had this perspective that I'm telling you right now for like six hours. Like I got this today while I was mowing my yard. You know, huh. had everything off, had yeah. everything like gone. I'm sitting here like meditating on the word. Christ came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Yeah. These people say they believe in Jesus. How can they believe this? And it gets to the issue of justice. They are absolutely right. The question is, by what standard of justice do they want? Um, that, I mean, that's the issue. And for Christians, we find ourselves in the Bible. Uh, you would ask, or and, and you, you said, you know, I don't know how people, uh, I don't know how Christians, you were saying, I don't know how Christians fall away. Well, if you read uh, Colossians chapter 2, uh, verse 8, uh, Paul writes to the church of Colossae, and he's in prison when he writes this, by the way. So Paul's in prison when he's writing these words. Right. He said, this is verse 8, beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, who is the head of all principality and power. So how can Christians fall prey to like all these other things? It's because like Peter, when he was walking on the water, they, they take their eyes off of him. Mm. And, and, and I mean, that's the issue. Right. We take our eyes off Christ. And, you know, it like this, this sucks, but it's like, why do bad things happen? Well, one, we live in a fallen creation. And so mm -hmm. a lot of people are going to have really hard time figuring that one out. They're going to struggle with, well, what do you mean? And, and right. uh, all that kind of stuff. But point out to them, listen, if we are just descendant from monkeys, then there is no justice. Hitler got off scot-free. All those slave drivers that died peacefully on their plantations with indentured servants instead of uh, chattel slaves, there's no justice for those guys. There's no justice for them because they died peacefully in old age. And so at that point, there is no justice, none, zero. And so from that worldview, from that perspective, I can see how you have a lot of animosity and anger because you don't believe that God's going to punish every single sin. Philippians 2 says that every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. Everything is going to be accounted for. Either Jesus pays for your sin or you pay for your sin. And that gets me to my point. 
we don't talk about the conscience. We talk about intelligence. People want to talk about reasons for this. And well, did you know that, uh, you know, chapter three of uh, this book, Sex and Power, says that, uh, you know, sexual liberation is actually the way that we achieve political change. Uh, you can go back and read Kate Millett. You can go back and read uh, the early first wave feminists who recognized that let us get the abortion pill because if we have control over our, uh, our own means of uh, reproduction, then that means that we can go get jobs and we can get out of the kitchen and we can get out of the home. Mm -hmm. And that destabilizes the family and now we are where we are. But if you circle back around to the issue, people will make intelligent arguments. They might not be justified, they might not be rationally grounded, but they will make logical arguments right. uh, backed up by statistics and things that Harvard professors say that is so. Christians aren't supposed to engage people with their intellect. Not to say we can't use our intellect, but the message of the gospel isn't for people who are, are trying to reason things through. Yeah. Hebrews 11 is all about faith. Faith is not blind. Faith is based on what we know and, and the certainty of what we hope for. I have faith that my wife exists. Why? Because I see her. I know her. I, I have a relationship with her. Mm -hmm. A lot of people won't believe in God because there's been a lot of hypocritical Christians. And there still are today. I am right, a hypocritical, because... sinful Christian. Right. Um, but Christians need to bring it back to the cross. Whenever you talk to an atheist, uh, you know, an agnostic, anybody okay. from anything, you ask them very simply, do you think you're a good person? Do you right. think that there's an afterlife? The Bible says that everyone fears death. Everyone. Everyone fears death. And so you just ask them, you know, what do you think about the afterlife? Just ask them the question, shut up. Get them to start thinking and start speaking about things that they're already going to be thinking about. Because at the end of the day, you can Black Lives Matter and, and throw up your fist and pull down Columbus statues and mm -hmm. have your reparations and all that kind of stuff. Right. You're going to die eventually. You're going to die eventually. And talking about death engages the conscience. Because the reason, and this goes to Romans 1, the reasons why people don't believe in God is because they suppress the truth of God and their own unrighteousness. They don't want to believe in God because they like pornography. They don't want to believe in God because their hate makes them feel good, like they have a purpose. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things I struggled with when I got out of the army was that I, I hate everybody. I'm mad at everybody. I have a well-developed, overdeveloped anger. And my anger gave me purpose because it made me feel like I could judge other people, not based on what they did or did not do, but waste, um, based on what I perceived them to yeah. do. And so whenever you have an epistemology based on power, you're going to have politics based on power. Whenever you have a, an epistemology based on humility, based on the fact that there's a God and I'm not in charge, mm -hmm. then I'm going to recognize maybe that black person is made by the same God that made me. So maybe I shouldn't treat that person like a piece of crap. And whenever I tell that person they're making a mistake, I need to do it from recognizing they're just as bad as I am. You know, right. they're, they're just as, you know, positioned as I am. And, you know, the last part is it gets to the Bible. For Christians, we have to, we have to get things from Scripture because as I read in Colossians 2, when, when we start using ideas of the world, 
we've given up the truth. We've accepted their footing. We've accepted their framework. Mm -hmm. We've given up the truth of the gospel, the truth of the Bible, and now I'm standing on their territory. Well, if I accept their frame, that's, that's why Black Lives Matter can never be supported because their initial frame, their presuppositional grounding is that there are oppressors and oppressed. Mm-hmm. Haves, have nots. It's Marxism. And that's, that's the system that they think with. It's like uh, here at the Tulsa Zoo, you put a penny into a machine and you crank the hand crank and out comes the same thing that says, welcome to the Tulsa Zoo. And no matter what coin you put in, you hand crank it, it's going to generate the same thing every single time. That's what an ideology is. No matter what you point in, you're going to hand crank it and get the same thing out every single time. Mm-hmm. So if you're an ideologue, if you're a conservative ideologue, you're going to get the same output every single time. And there are dangers to that. If you're a liberal, same thing. Progressive, same thing. Black Lives Matter puts in a coin, whatever the coin is, you know, hey, there's an earthquake. Okay, well, hand crank it. Well, that earthquake disproportionately affected poor people because mm-hmm. they don't have access to health care and they've, you know, had gentrification and, uh, you, know, uh, bl- you know, white people took it from them. And, and that's why there, it's, it's, always, it's always about race. It's always about skin color. Um, last week, Rush Limbaugh did an interview with Charlemagne the God from The Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. And Rush Limbaugh, you know, media titan that he is, he asked Charlemagne and everybody else on The Breakfast Club, he goes, what's it going to take? Like, what, what's, what's the solution? Right, right. And that's the issue with progressivism. There's no solution. There's never any solution. Charlemagne's answer was, until you deconstruct the mechanisms of systematic racism, there will never be a solution. That doesn't mean I mean, anything. Yeah. Deconstruct, okay, mechanisms. What, what's a mechanism? Yeah. Institutional or systematic racism. What's, what's the system? Tell me what the system is. Yeah. How, how do you measure it? How do you define the words? Right. right. And, and it, it's just that hand cranking again. They put in a coin. You ask the question, what's it going to take to get, what's it going to make to square things up? I don't like my cities on fire. I don't like that the fact that there's innocent people mm. in these big cities that are living yeah. in fear right now, regardless of what they look like or where they're at on the political spectrum or the faith spectrum or anything, there's innocent Americans and, and not Americans. There's innocent image bearers of God that are suffering as a result of this chaos. I want to end it. So how do I end it? Well, you have to deconstruct the mechanisms of systematic racism. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yes. Great. Do it today. How do you do that? How do you do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what, what's the answer? And, and that's why, and I'll, I'll, I'll end, you know, the answer is always political. It's always politics because for the left, politics is their religion. It's their theology. Yeah. You know, separation of church and state, that's a biblical idea, by the way. You get that in Exodus 17, uh, where you also get federalism. Uh, but 1 Samuel 8, 1 Samuel 8, I forget which verse it is, but 1 Samuel 8, God's telling the people of Israel, you guys don't want a king. Trust me, he'll tax you. He'll press you into military service. Mm-hmm. He'll take your women. He'll make them work for them. He'll turn them into a harem. Trust me, you guys don't want a king. And what did Israel do? We want a king. All right, here you go. And then there you go. There's the travesty yeah. of government. And so whenever you have an epistemology based on politics, 
you're going to separate yourself from God. And so the left will say separation, church and state, and the right being, you know, Bible believers or, or you know, people generally of faith be like, okay, I, I don't want to use the Bible as a cudgel to compel belief. Mm-hmm. Christ didn't do that. So I don't want to do that. But then you got to think, for the left, their highest form of activity, their, their highest ethical standard is political action. I mean, whenever, whenever you have protesters in the streets saying, okay. hey, hey, ho, ho, something, something, what are they doing? That's them singing Amazing Grace. When okay. Christians and evangelicals sing Amazing Grace or church songs and we're worshiping God, when leftists protest and they chant, they give up their individuality to all effectuate one single political outcome. And it doesn't matter if that political outcome actually does anything. What matters is the intent behind the political action. Right. It's, 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 it's a religious construct. Mm-hmm. So the response to them telling us separation, church, and state, it's like, okay. But that means you can't, you guys, if, you're gonna, if we're going to separate your religion, you guys aren't allowed to participate in politics. That's why they're more rabid. That's why they're more dedicated. That's why they're more fierce because that's their religion. If you come after me for Christ and not being able to, I mean, I'm going to die for Christ. Right. Am I going to, you know, I mean, I've served the country in the army. I'd die for the country too, but like, am I going to die for the Republican party? No. Am I going to die for abortion? No. You know, it's because I have a higher authority. They don't. Their, Their higher authority is political action. That's a lot. Sorry. I No, I no, you're fine. You're, <laughs> <laughs> you're fine. It gives me, I mean, when, so when you're talking about, when you're talking about the, the, when we're speaking to those, um, speaking to others and we're supposed to be using, um, we're supposed to be standing on the Bible. Yeah. Now, I'm not opposed to that because of course, yes. I mean, I believe that when you go and step into a different uh, footing, that's where you're not supposed to be as a Christian. That's, that doesn't necessarily work out, but how do you, how do you combine the, the wisdom? Because there's an entire book dedicated to it. How do you mm-hmm. combine the wisdom where I think we sometimes get that a little confused as far as like, you know, because knowledge and wisdom are two different things. Where do you, where do you combine the wisdom and um, with, with biblical words, with what's in the Bible, how do you combine that to actually speak to someone who is not a believer? Mm-hmm. Because that, I think that's where a lot of, you know, where I talk about specifically in my, in my blog and things like that, I talk about community building conversations and that's, that's the idea because just like you mentioned earlier, um, if you are praying for someone that you supposedly hate, that you don't care for, how can you honestly walk away still hating that person? After praying for that person time after time, how can you still have that hatred in your heart for that person? If you believe you're truly going to the almighty God. Mm-hmm. So when you go, and I think, you know, for those that are not believers, it comes down to community. And I think a lot of these issues, a lot of these issues come down to community because when you're talking about your, your neighbor or whoever else, someone in your community um, it, it seems like the further we also get away from knowing each other, which is, is, it is getting further away from God because God wants us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And right. so if we can do that. Um, if we can speak to our neighbors, if we can have conversations with our neighbors, if we can, if we can have community and commune with our neighbors, whoever that may be, then 
it makes it so much harder to have issues like this. It makes it so much harder for, for someone to call you a racist or to call me a racist or to say that I, um, I don't care about, about them or, or their community or anything like that because we are, because those, those, that communion has happened, that is right. happening, whether it's, you know, conversations or whatever else. So how do you, I guess what I'm trying to get, what I'm trying to get at here is how do you bring that together? How do you have conversations with people um, who may not necessarily be believers, but you are speaking about values and things that are very much biblical? Right. You know, you can't always just, you can't always just bring in the Bible every yeah. time. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I think that's a, I think if, if we get this answer right, then we're going to solve all the problems absolutely. in the entire world. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so the first, I think first thing to know is like, it's not us. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to, let me, let me separate this into, to the Christians and to the not Christians. So to the Christians, uh, we believe that the Holy Spirit does works through us. It's not me, lest I should boast. It's, you know, it's by grace of God that I'm saved. So I don't earn my ticket to heaven. Jesus paid for it already. Mm-hmm. So I'm not doing anything out of the need to do things. I do things because I love God. And because I love God, I'm going to recognize that everyone who does not believe in Jesus is going to go to hell. Mm-hmm. Not because they don't believe in Jesus, but because they've sinned against an almighty God. And God says that all, all sin requires blood sacrifice. That's Leviticus 17. 1711, I think. So the idea though, is that everyone's going to make mistakes. Everyone's going to sin. Romans three says, for all have uh, sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So as believers, it's not me that actually does stuff. It's I'm humbling myself and the Holy Spirit works through me. Uh, Romans 10 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. So preach the word in season, out of season, say what the Bible says, because this is what God says. So if I say it, Holy Spirit's going to do stuff and I don't know how it works, but things are going to happen because that's right. what happens. That's what God says is going to happen. That's why Jesus spoke in parables to those who have ears, let them hear. Right. Uh, it requires humility. So for Christians, I'm not going in doing what I'm doing now, quoting verse, you know, chapter, whatever, because I think there's going to be a lot of people who are like that dude's a Bible thumper. <laughs> right. I am. But at, at the same time though, there's, there's an authority because, I mean, this is my authority. This is my, this is my, my authority for knowledge. It's my authority for truth. Uh, it's my authority. But how do you actually apply that? I think you look at people as image bearers of God. You look at them as God made this person. And God can be using me to call that person to him. And so if you think, correction, if you believe, if you know because if you're a Christian, then you do know this. You yes. do believe this. Right. If you think that this person could die at any second, and if this person dies right now, two minutes from now, they're going to go to hell, you're going to want to save that person. If someone's running off a cliff, you're going to want to get in front of them and say, stop. If a plane's going down, you're going to be like, here's a parachute, man. Put it on. Don't, don't go down with the plane. Right. A lot of these people are doing, it's like the plane's going down and they jump out and they think they're going to flap their arms and survive. Well, that's not the case. 
you, you got to be able to provide them and point to them the salvation, which means you have to get them to be uh, aware that they've sinned against God. The thing that sucks about this is that most people are going to go tell you to go screw yourself. Most people are going to be like, no, I don't believe in God because I don't want to believe in God. I've, um, I wasn't always like this, by the way. I've, all, I've only become like Jesus-y over the last two years. Three years. That's <laughs> yeah, that's, a, a, that's the term. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a story in of itself. But I've lost so many friends because you know they'll say something. And I, would, I, I guess the way I put this, I would rather seem cruel mm. as I love people than seem loving and be cruel to them. So I would rather come off as right. cruel, what other right. people would call as cruel, right. but actually be telling them, you know, you don't have to do this. You don't have to, uh, you know, pay for your sins eternally. Jesus right. has already done this. Yeah. He already paid the fine rather than be complicit and kind of like go with the flow. Go with the and, flow. Yeah. I think, you know, we yeah, do, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the idea. And, and that's where, uh, you know, you, you said you have uh, community-based questions or what was your phrase? Community well, it's community building conversations, community building, building conversations. conversations. Yeah. Um, what I would do, cause, cause I think that was the second part of your, I would recognize just believe that because God makes everybody, he gives them all a conscience. The Bible says we have a conscience. So that means with knowledge, con with science, knowledge, with knowledge, mm -hmm. everyone's got a conscience. So everyone knows what you're saying is true. It's just they're probably not going to accept it because they love their sin. That's John chapter 3. People reject the light because they love the darkness. They love their sin. Pornography is awesome if you love beautiful women and you've got the time and you want to do it. Um, it, it it's, it's addicting. I mean, you got to think like, because uh, I've I've studied um, I've studied data on porn. Not I've I was about to say I've studied porn. studied. <laughs> I've, studied <laughs> I've studied the data on porn. There's a book called uh, The Drug of the New Millennium by um, a guy named Mark Kasich, and mm -hmm. and it basically talks about the science, like all the neurochemicals that right. go on. And there's a study of rats that whenever they went up to a button and they got like a uh, sugar water or they got like a uh, heroin or something like they, right. they had uh, sugar flavored heroin or something like that. The rats would just keep going, 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 going until they killed themselves. They would mm -hmm. overdose. And the same responses that happened in the rats brains, cause they had implants or whatnot would happen to people. Like when men watch porn, Oh man, mm -hmm. everything flares up and it's addicting and it's the most addicting type of chemical so do I really need to do drugs if I can just watch porn and addict myself to the dopamine or addict myself to the oxytocin mm -hmm. or the serotonin? I mean, I can use things and that, I mean, social media is also designed to do that. Yeah, all the flashing and buttons and notifications. Yep. It's designed to, to, uh, to get your brain. It, it treats your brain like an animal. That's why it's so addicting. That's why you can just start scrolling on Instagram or Twitter or and Facebook or going. whatever. <laughs> and you're going to, you're, you're going to look up and you're like 87 years old. And it's like, holy crap. And your spine's all bad and stuff. <laughs> My point is that like, if you're going to form a foundation, if you're going to form a community, assume that everybody knows the same thing. Hmm. And I don't mean economics or politics or history. Right. What I mean is murder's murder. Right. Stealing is stealing. Lying is lying. 
um, you know, pornography is pornography and, and engage people at that level because that's where you're actually going to have those conversations mm-hmm. about those things. And there's a book, I, I forget the, the author's name is a weird Polish name, but it's called what we can't not know. Mm. And it's this discussion of first principles that because they're so basic, everyone knows murder's wrong. Every, everyone knows that if I'm married and I cheat on my spouse, that's wrong. Like that's, mm-hmm. everyone knows that's wrong. Right. Um, those things are, patently, yeah, those things yeah. are patently obvious. Um, so any community based conversation that I would have is I would ask that person, always ask questions. Jesus asked questions, right? Jesus asked questions. Um, that's, that's how you better actually understand somebody. (laughs) I mean, I mean, if, if I, if I, yeah, exactly. Because it gets them to say what they think. Yeah. Here's the thing for my conservative homies, most (laughs) leftists haven't really thought about what they think. Right. They're, They're like an inch deep. And so whenever you ask them, what do you mean by systemic racism? And they say, well, you have to deconstruct the methods or the mechanisms of systematic racism. What do you mean by that? White power, white supremacy. Okay. Like like they're an inch deep. Yeah. But if you ask questions, you get them to reveal what they think. And it also allows you to be humble and listen Mm -hmm. because again, questions don't need answers. People do. Right. And most of these people, my, my last point here, we live in a society that is post-Christian, post-truth, post-constitution. Most people don't believe in God. Most people feel isolated. Highest suicide rates, highest drug addiction, highest product of broken homes, uh, highest, su- uh, I said suicide, uh, highest pornography addiction rates. I mean, we are living where people are the most connected they have ever been but their souls are the most disconnected that we've ever had. We have no community for souls. We have community for color, community for politics. And so if you engage people at the level of their being as an inner of God, Mm -hmm. I I think that's an open door. I think you're just going to be able to push the door wide open because you're going to have a conversation with someone because you love them not because you're trying to get them to be on your political party. Right. Not because you want to pass a tax cut. Right. And honestly, not even, and I, I, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but even also on the note that not even because you're trying to get them to believe what you believe as far as. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, and that's having the security in you. I mean, it was Christ that said, mm-hmm. if you go to a town, tell them the gospel and they don't believe it, kick the dust off your sandal and bounce. Yeah. I'm, I'm not like what I do or don't do doesn't change the fact that God is on the throne. Mm. Doesn't. And so I don't need, I mean, it, it doesn't mean that I don't do anything. Right. You're it still doesn't mean that I'm cycle. fatalistic yeah. and kind of like, Oh, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> well. <laughs> you know, the, uh, a common phrase in the middle East is inshallah. Muslims say inshallah. And that basically means if mm. God wills it, um, uh, so, yes. law. it's like, yeah. Hey, are you guys going to go, you know, take care of that bad guy? Inshallah. It's like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> no, like go do <laughs> stuff. And um, I have that time. <laughs> but yeah, like I, I, I'm not insecure in my faith. Right. Um, because you know, Christ, I mean, Christ, we are overcomers. We're more than conquerors. Romans mm-hmm. eight says, uh, if you look at in Romans chapter two and chapter three, Jesus talks to seven different churches 
every single time he talks to a church, they have different things that he's against them for or whatnot. Mm-hmm. He called, he says, if you overcome, if you overcome, I will give you this. If you overcome, I promise you this. Christ want, Christ is about victory. He's about, if you do what I say, you're, I mean, you're in, like, yeah. you don't have to worry about it. And, and I think that's a commentary on, on a lot of Christians is that if they doubt the assurance they have of their own salvation, um, you know, I mean, the, 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 maybe they should, because if you're asking that question, then you're not really, you're not really thinking about the God that scripture reveals because scripture says, I mean, Titus one, God cannot lie. God says, you know, you repent, trust in a bodily resurrection. Like you're in. That's yeah. It. yeah, that's it. Like, yeah, I mean, you're good. I do have to say when it comes to that specifically, the, the, um, I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like sometimes we do have those, those doubts that creep in. As oh far yeah, as, absolutely. Yeah. Doubt, doubting Thomas, doubting Thomas. Yeah. I won't believe right. until you show me the holes in your hands. Yeah. That, that dude saw Jesus walk on the water. That dude saw Jesus perform all his miracles and, still, and he still didn't believe. Still. And what yeah. did Jesus say? Here feel Thomas. And then you got to think like Thomas is going to be like, Oh, you know, like he's, yeah. Oh, okay. Now I believe he, I guess I that. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. I mean like doubting, doubting's normal. Why? Because I still have this flesh on. I, I still got this exoskeleton that, I mean, uh, I think it's first John two that talks about the, the three ways that Satan gets us. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Those are the three channels. It's like Peyton Manning going to the line of scrimmage. He's going to audible, and it's always going to be one of those three things. Always. Always. Uh, when Jesus was tempted in Matthew 4, it was along lust of the flesh, you know, give me, you know, do this, I'll give you some bread. Uh, lust of the eyes, you know, uh, I will make you, um, uh, you know, king. I'll, I'll, I'll let you be king. Pride of life. I will give you everything. I'll give you control of everything. It's lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Right. That's, that's where those are the options that Satan uses. And so I'm going to be, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm 35 years old. There's a lot of attractive women. Like it's, I mean, I'm going to look at them and right. I'm going to and challenged in that regard. Um, I mean, I think Bari, I was talking to you about that same thing mm-hmm. when we first met in DC a couple months back. It's, it's this idea that you're, you're never going to, you're never going to put this behind you. Right. You're always going to be uh, struggling, always going to be insecure. Uh, you, you know, there will be doubts. Uh, Paul talked about uh, a thorn in his side. He would pray that God would remove the thorn. Right. Scripture never says what the thorn is. And scripture never says if the thorn was removed. Right. Because uh, Psalms 9, 9 says that uh, God is our refuge. Why do bad things happen? Well, if God removed all the bad things and we would have no need to go to him, mm-hmm. we would have no need to pray. We'd have no need to, to meditate on his word. We'd have no need to, um, you know, glorify him. Why am I going to worship him if everything's perfect? Right. I don't need God at that point. Hmm. So I'll preach, man. I'll preach. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Um, but to cap it off here, um, when it comes to, because specifically when we're talking about um, specifically this situation and, you know, things moving forward, the hard conversations to have 
do you think as Christians, we can, because I, you mentioned this earlier when it comes to you want to be someone who's going to be loving, even if you're seen as being cruel. So do you Mm -hmm. think as Christians, we can be loving, even though we seem like we're being cruel? Because I think sometimes it's easy to, to also jump on the bandwagon of, okay, this is, you know, and not necessarily think about things ourselves because we don't want to be seen as cruel. And when we, when it comes to, I think moving forward from here and at any point, I believe it is more so engaging together as a community. Like you've said, um, the government believes that politics is religion, which means that they see themselves as, as gods, as higher, you know, as, as the ultimate um, people to go to. So clearly we need to have more of a community based um, society here, which is what we've seen in the past and what we've had in the past. And that tends to, to obviously have more of a, of a positive effect on how we live our lives. So with, with that, how do you think Christians should approach that? I mean, it seems like the hard conversations we don't want to have sometimes, and not all Christians, but sometimes we don't want to have the hard conversations because they require for us to be to be loving, but right. maybe not nice, maybe not maybe seem cruel in, in the eyes of others. So where do we where do we go from there? Because we don't want to offend. I, I think a lot of it has to do with your personality. Um, I'm a deliberate, direct guy. I don't mind getting into arguments. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm fast on my feet. I'm articulate, and I can I can draw from all sorts of things. So I'm yeah. I like fighting. Uh, I was a former <laughs> infantry guy, so fighting's I like it actually. Yeah. Um, both, both kinds. Yeah, yeah, and that, that but, fighting but then, takes a lot. <laughs> yeah, and 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 then there's and and but then there's also introverts. Yeah, I'm, I, I could talk about it. I, I would actually call myself an introvert. Yeah, I mean it's. It, I'm more it's, of an introvert than, than anything. I think. Right, right, and 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 you are more open as an introvert than other. Like my wife, she don't talk to anybody. <laughs> like I had to chase that woman <laughs> over uh, Vanderbilt to 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 catch her. Um, <laughs> so so I I think it comes with a self awareness. Like take yeah. stock of who you are and what you're good at. Like some people, and so I don't, I don't want to just blanket statement everything because mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's wrong. Right. I mean, let me, let me answer this way. God, uh, I'll, I'll read it. It's because uh, I, I, I think this is critical because this is one of my favorite verses right now. If I can find it. Yep, here it is. Okay, it's uh, Colossians 1 verse uh, 20. And it reads... Um, 19 and 20, uh, Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having, been, having made peace through the blood of his cross. God gets pleasure. It, it pleased God to bring everything back to himself through Christ on the cross. So God gets joy out of everything being made right by Jesus sacrifice. Having said that, that doesn't mean God plays by any of the rules. Uh, like it's gotta be, uh, you know, you have to talk to people about God in this way, or you have to start a conversation this way. I think that's garbage. I think that's dumb. And I think as soon as people start saying, well, the first thing is to do this. 
you know how I just did. It's like, <laughs> let the spirit work, yeah. let the spirit work. And that starts with humility. That starts with dwelling on the scriptures, because if you do that, you're going to see other people as image bearers of God. You're going to love them and you're going to want to help them. You're going to want to save them. Um, because I mean, honestly, like, uh, I, I, I watch a lot of atheist videos online mm-hmm. and one guy that just hates God, hated God was Christopher Hitchens, really famous atheist, mm-hmm. hated God. Um, my heart breaks for him because he died in 2011 with you know cancer or whatnot. My heart breaks for him because he had all that chance to change. And his family says that there was no deathbed you know, revival. And my heart breaks for him because he's eternity, eternity. Um, and I, I, so pragmatically speaking, let the spirit work through you. What does that look like? Break bread with people. Right. Eat with them. Mm-hmm. From a social perspective, when you eat, you lower your guard, right? Yeah. You're, you're not going to be on guard uh, looking around. In the army, we had things called priorities of work. The very first priority was security. Make sure no one can attack you. So you're going to be looking around and ready to fight the enemy. The very last two priorities of work was chow and rest, eat and sleep, because those things were required or those things were possible after everything else was done. And so if you think about building a relationship, it's the inverse where you want to actually, uh, do the things that's going to build the relationship. Right. Jesus broke bread. Jesus was a reveler. He loved to eat. He loved to hang out with people, but it also breaks down barriers because if you're eating, you got to like, I got some Turkey right here. It's been sitting here the whole time. <laughs> like I've just been looking at it and it, it, what it does, it lowers, it makes people relatable. Yeah. It makes people relatable because there's no professional way to eat. You know, there's no professional right. way to chew food. Right. And so you're going you're gonna to build relationships with people by being you. And I think that, you know, um, I don't really follow him and I got issues with his theology, but Stephen Furtick, he's a pastor of a, ah, yeah, of a church out in Charlotte. Yeah. He has this teaching I listened to a few years back. He said, don't compare other people's highlight reels with your behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And a yeah. lot of times in the social media age, people are, you know, girls, you'll do the duck lips. Like <laughs> duck, ducks don't even do that. Like they don't even do that. Um, I've never used a filter on, on anything because yeah. I mean, this is ugly. Like I'm not going to make this any better this looking. Any better. <laughs> Let's just be straight. Um, and, and so, but it, I mean, the idea is that we're so superficial and concerned yeah. about what other people think of us mm. that if you're actually just yourself mm-hmm. and you just say, man, and the- I want to hang out with you. It's going to be awkward, but mm-hmm. I want to get to know you because quite frankly, I'm tired of, of being perpetually angry. Right. I'm tired of being mad. And Bari, I'll be honest with you. That's what got me to consider Black Lives Matter's claims for justice mm-hmm. is because if I continue to let my anger go, I'm just going to want to use force. I'm just yeah. going to want to use violence. And as someone who, who has used lethal force as a professional, I can flip a switch and I can do it without thinking about other people. And that's dangerous because now you have a society full of people like Afghanistan instead of a society that can be something like America should be. 
Right. So I think you just have to love other people. Consider your gifting, right? If, if, you're not an, if you're not an extrovert, if you're not good at speaking, then don't speak. Right. Just give them a hug, shake their hand. Or if it's COVID, because I don't know how crazy you are <laughs> about <that>. COVID. <laughs> but if it's, uh, you know, if it's COVID, when's the last time you had someone write you a handwritten letter? Right. It was, it was, nice. It was nice to see you today, thinking yeah. about you, praying about you. Like, go asymmetric. If the world has gone digital and superficial mm. and loud and boisterous, go asymmetric. Go humble. Because that's not where their defenses are going to be. They're, they're going to raise their defenses online. And if anyone looks me up online, they're going to see a really boisterous, really loud, aggressive social media presence. Why? Because I have fun fighting leftists online. I, 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 it's, it's fun for me. <laughs> but if I'm going to talk to someone like here, I'm going to want to let them know that I love them. I'm right. going to want to talk their ear off about Jesus mm-hmm. because I suck. I, like I'm, I'm not a good person, but Jesus, he was perfect mm. and he can carry any burden. He can take away any pain. He can make sense of any trauma that you have. Yeah. And, and so instead of trying to build a community around shared hardships, all us black people, all of us non-citizens, all of us mm. white people build the community around the one person who can carry all burdens and I guess the, the tagline there is yoked, not woke, right? I want right. to be yoked, not woke. I haven't heard that one. Yeah, well. I'm going to use that. Yeah, Hotland is a little <laughs> bit behind Eastern Oklahoma, it seems. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, as you're saying that, that's what really, and not to put down, you know, conservatives, because I myself am a conservative. But, oh, go for it. Go know, for it. Like, <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's necessary. Yeah, we need to be more open. Right. If, we need hey, to be- here's. Here's our blind spot. You know, yeah. you know what my blind spot is? My blind spot is I live in an area that's like 95% white. Yeah. So whenever I see people from Detroit or Atlanta or LA and they're like, Black Lives Matter, I'm like, I got black neighbors. They're fine. Like, yeah. you know, they're chilling. But like, I'm not in that area. I'm not right. in that it's community. The, yeah, it's a lot of the experiences. Is really and, and, and so that's my blind spot. And, yeah. and Bari, I would not have considered their perspective because they're not articulate, they're angry, Mm -hmm. uh, they're philosophically opposed to me, I would not have considered their perspective if I did not have Christ. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. Would never do it. And I I mean, I'm going to bring the stats. I'm going to bring the memes. I'm going to wield the constitution. I'll even interpret the Bible in a way that fits my perspective Mm -hmm. because that's where I'm comfortable. And in a, in a weird, dangerous way, for them to say that America is a, a, a system based on white oppression, I'm kind of stepping into that narrative and fulfilling it by not considering what they have to say. Right. And so at yeah. some point, the Christian has to break the cycle of violence with yeah. grace and love and forgiveness. And that means taking a humble, like taking a chill pill, humbling yourself and mm-hmm. saying, what are they really saying? Right. Saying Black Lives Matter isn't really an articulate way of saying that we have been suffering injustice from broken promises for 60 years. But that's what they're saying. Yeah. That's what they're saying. Right. They're not against white people. They're looking at what white people generally have and they say, 
WTF? What, 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 what's the difference? Mm-hmm. And, and because there's God-hating leftist who reads Saul Alinsky, yep. who dedicated his book to Lucifer, the first uh, rebel, um, because they read that, they're not going to think anything deeper than skin deep. And so it's very easy mm-hmm. to see a white person do something to a black person and say, boom, right there. That meme validates my entire worldview. And I don't ever expect a leftist to self-examine. But just because they won't doesn't mean I shouldn't. Right. Especially as a Christian, because Christ carried his cross for me, for you, for them. And if he's going to get himself nailed to the cross and die, then I at least should have the, the, the love and the compassion to consider someone I disagree with right. actually is in, in the wrong to consider what are they really saying. Hmm. And it's because they weren't born a leftist. They were made an image bearer of God. And Satan has worked his effectiveness and made it to where that person, just like that little kid from the story I first started, mm-hmm. they've grown up in a, uh, with a worldview they can't, they can't get out of um the last part i i I saw michael eric dyson uh, a guy that is a is a god-hating atheist um said something that i usually use for other people it's uh you know there's a a, an elder fish swimming by two other fish and he said hey hey fellas how's the water and the fish keeps swimming back and they go what's he talking about and it's because if you're a fish you don't know that you're in water. Right. Well, it's, it's right. the same thing. We have presuppositions and biases that we can't see. Mm-hmm. And so Christ allows us to shed that off because as Paul writes in Colossians 3, Christ is all and in all. There's neither slave nor, uh, I mean, it, it says it, uh, 310. Uh, and I have put on a new man and is renewed in knowledge according to him in the image of him who created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, mm-hmm. barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So when you put off the old man and you put on Christ, you're able to say, hmm, I'm, I'm judging these people who chant Black Lives Matter. I don't want, them, I don't want to affirm um, their system if their system's wrong. I want to affirm them as a person because God made them. Did you just lose everything? I, I lost a little bit, but where you okay. stopped and where you started was actually, <laughs> it okay. was actually well, right on it. Right. I lost well, a bit. I saw that. I was like, finish the thought, finish the thought. It, yeah. Yeah. No, it just, um, hopefully it's actually still recording from the last time. So, um, but if not, we can just talk that's until a good you don't want to talk. Place. Anymore. <laughs> well, that's probably a good place as far as the video, because that's, that's, um, that's where I wanted to end was I think if conservatives would, more so just kind of humanize themselves a little bit. Just a little bit. We could probably right. get a lot, but you still got that. <laughs> yeah. Be be willing. Don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, well, um, awesome. Thanks, Jaren. Thank you so much for um, you know, for for coming in and doing this because I think it's a good conversation to have. I think we we touched on a lot of things that I really wanted to to um to talk about, especially with what's going on. So Um, hopefully this is, you know, uh, constructive. Hey guys, thank you for tuning into that conversation between Jaron Jackson and I. I can say that I really do appreciate his perspective on things. Hopefully this was something that was engaging for you in exploring a different perspective or affirming the ones that you already have. 
So join me in the future for many more conversations with Jaren and other speakers regarding current events, policy, everyday life, and spirituality.